I would love to share the favorite piece of advice that I received. I think this helps me as the learner the most out of anything. It's the easiest thing. You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is episode 33. Today's guest, pinged me on LinkedIn saying he would love to be on my show and share his doctoral experience because he had such an incredible one. I was intrigued and I think you will be too. Corey Carlson has his PhD in higher educational leadership from Old Dominion University. His multidisciplinary approach to life and learning has led him to research endeavors in higher educational leadership, higher educational student engagement and retention, as well as community workforce educational development. Dr. Carlson, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I I really appreciate it. So you are one of the few that I have met in my 20 years of doing this that starts with, wow, I had such a positive doctoral experience. And we were chatting about how your experience kind of informed how you work with doctoral candidates. So I would love to just have you share what was your experience like and why was it so positive? I'm actually very surprised and hearing that because I had such a good experience and I don't know, maybe as part of the experience that I went through with the, the college that I went to, I had a, a cohort that I went through with Old Dominion University and it, it seems like we all had each other's backs in, in certain ways. Whenever there was a, a strength or weakness, there was a hurdle to overcome. We all kind of had each other. We all helped each other up as we progressed. But I think back of the process, it was about a, a 15 months when, once I hit candidacy through receiving my degree. I, I found it to be the most rewarding experience. And there was a learning curve of how to conduct primary research on my own. You know, I always kind of had a, a vision of how it was done, but now it was kind of getting thrown out there. And now I have to do it, which was fun. I I love learning. I don't think my doctorate is going to be my last degree that I've received. I I just like learning. And so the process of learning how to conduct research and and going through those actions really helps motivate me and and propel me through the process. It did help that I had a fantastic chair who was well-versed in leading doctoral students. He helped me when I thought there was a huge brick wall in front of me. He was like, oh, Corey, no worries. Okay, we're going to do this, this, and you're going to be right on your way. I got to stop you and unpack a few of the things you've said so far. So the first thing you brought up was this idea of a cohort. I'm curious, how many people did you go through your program with? How many were there? I, I think it was between 10 to 15. Okay, so we're not talking huge. We're not talking like this was 30 people. And that peer support that you gathered, would you say you had a smaller core group of people that you were kind of hanging out with? No, it it was the the most unique thing. I've never experienced it since in that we had no pre-existing knowledge of each other. But when we all got there, 
the first day, it was like we all knew each other and were best friends from a long time ago. And we all helped each other in this very communal fashion. And as each person progressed in the year, two years, three years, I think one person even didn't get through until like four years after you know they hit the candidacy. We celebrated each time. It, it was very cool. So I went to a residential program, but for me, my group was smaller. It's so important to have someone there to kind of pick you up when you're down, but also to cheer you on when you've got a win to celebrate. Oh, yes. Yes. Support is so crucial. And I, I would definitely categorize myself as an introvert. And I don't really, that's not something that helps sustain or motivate me as far as you know, that goes. But having that support was so critical. And I, I was so pleased with that experience in, in that regard. And, you know, they will say a doctoral program in particular, when you're doing your dissertation or your doctoral project research, it feels so isolating. And there's research out there about having support. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I need some support, look around. Even if you're an online university, they may have a Facebook page, a LinkedIn group. There's things out there if you look for them. And it doesn't have to be 10 yep. or 15 people. It could be a few people, but people that are going to be there for you and help you through this. Yes. My wife at the time, you know, she had no idea what I was talking about, but she was there to support me. And she would help me as a sounding board just to throw out ideas. And she'd be like, yes, that's great, Corey. But just having that person to vocalize with. And that's actually something that I would always share with my students who I I was uh, chairing or on their committee with is being able to to vocalize what you're working on. Sure, you you can write it down and and type it. I guess now it's typing it. But getting it outside of your body helps so much in you actually understanding things better. If you can find, you know, anybody like my daughter was two at the time, I, you know, putting her to bedtime, I'd say her bedtime stories about community college presidents and how they would do this type of funding. But she was none the wiser, but it helped me just kind of express and vocalize that stuff. So yes, find that support if you can. Corey, I love this idea of talking about your research to anyone who will listen, and especially as a bedtime story. I'm sure my dissertation could have put my kids to sleep (laughs) as you were talking. Honey, guess what I have for you tonight? Your kids will be out. It's a great trick. Try it. Let us know how it goes. But there's actually research out there that says we learn by talking. And so whether it's Mm -hmm. a peer or your partner, your spouse, talking about what you're doing is so important. It really helps you feel less alone. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I've got to ask this one question. Did your wife ever get tired Mm -hmm. of hearing about your dissertation? I think she was tired about it before it started because, you know, there's all that pre kind of processing. Should I do my dissertation on this or that? And then, you know, kind of all of that stuff. So once you actually hit the ground running and you get your candidacy, uh, by that time, I've already exhausted, you know, her patience, but you know, she was still there and very supportive. So that is a, another great reason to have a group of peers where you can bounce ideas off of people and use different people in your network at different times. I know I had a cat when I was going through my doctoral project, and I felt like at the end, my cat should have earned her PhD because she had to hear me over and over talking out loud what it was I thought I was doing. The second thing you mentioned was this love of learning. And that is so important. 
really, as you were talking and saying, hey, as I got into this and there were things I didn't know, but it was so exciting that here I was now learning new things, this growth mindset. I know what I see, and I'm curious to know if you run across this with people that you mentor. So many people who go for a terminal degree are already so bright. They're experts in their field. They already know so much that sometimes it comes as a surprise when they get to the dissertation stage, they finished all their classes. Oh my gosh, there's still more to learn. Yeah, if I could minimize uh, the categories of, of students, there's really two. There's the, the ones that are just there on their trajectory and there's nothing going to stop them. And then there's the uh, ones who don't have that maybe growth mindset. They just need some additional assurance that Yes, you've reached one part of the process, but you have not finished yet. You have the largest part now, something that is going to outlast you as a person. And that takes a lot of additional learning. I think that comes often as a surprise because I know I've worked with a lot of students who get kind of stuck just even trying to decide on their topic. And they'll say to me, Dr. Frederick, I was a straight A student. And yes, but just completing activities in a class and doing really well is very different from conceiving of a research project. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I've seen that so much. I'm a, I'm a straight A student. Don't I get my degree now? No, that was the first half. Second half is now you creating original content for the collective knowledge. And yeah, that is definitely like better terms, a slap in the face for a lot of folks. And I think that's probably why a lot of the research suggests that when people do drop out of a doctoral program, they're dropping out at this stage, at the dissertation or doctoral project writing stage, because it really is a shift. And we did have an episode earlier, I'll link it in the show notes below where Dr. Fiore talks about this shift, but it is, it is real. So if you're listening to this thinking, what's wrong with me? I was able to fly through most of my courses, but I'm feeling really stuck. Things do change when you get to the research portion. Yes. And that's where I, I feel I was lucky enough to have that kind of inner drive to always be seeking the next thing and why I, I enjoyed the process. I think. So much of this podcast is about putting more joy in the journey. So my ask for all the listeners out there is when you're feeling frustrated or confused, at this dissertation writing stage, what can you find joy in, in terms of getting curious about what am I going to learn next? What else is yeah. there for me to know? Yeah. Now, the third thing you mentioned was your chair. And I just want to say, hey, why don't we do a shout out to your chair? Why don't you tell us who your chair was? Yes, Dr. Dana Burnett from Old Dominion University. And you mentioned that this relationship was one of the key factors in you not only finishing quite quickly, but enjoying the process. What do you think made that relationship such a good one? Wow. Actually, come to think of it, I did have a false start with my dissertation. I started with a different chair and due to personal reasons, whatnot, he had to back out. And so I, I hadn't even thought about Dr. Burnett because he was not necessarily in my area. He's tangentially related, but a lot of folks said, Hey, you know, you should talk with Dr. Burnett. What made him so special, I think, was just his ability to communicate so effectively. We didn't have long, drawn-out conversations. We met every two weeks to just sit down, have a chat, see how my progress was going. 
once I got into the thick of it, after I defended my proposal, then we started meeting uh, once a week. Really just his seamless ability to communicate and positive assurance. Even if you know I felt I, I wasn't making progress at a you know, a rate that was you know, acceptable to me, but he would still say, you know, look at how far you've come. And, you know, there's just this, this much left. It, it, it was very helpful. I, I definitely am underwhelming in my ability to express his support there. So you mentioned that he was an effective communicator. And I'm wondering, do you think that was because you guys were meeting in real time? versus him putting feedback on a document or was both happening for you? Both were happening. So yeah, I'd be submitting stuff. He'd send it back with some, you know, edits and whatnot. You know, I'd shoot him a quick email. He'd respond in a timely fashion, never more than 24 hours later. So that along with the synchronous communication was definitely helpful. You know, I think that synchronous communication is something that we don't talk a lot about, but now with with COVID and a lot of people moving to virtual, I've seen things getting lost. So my experience when I mentor students, I learned early on that if I just put notes on the paper, it took a lot longer than having oh an gosh. opportunity, right, to explain exactly what I meant. And sometimes what I realized was, geez, I thought I was being really clear as a mentor, but what I was saying was not being perceived in the way that I had hoped. And so this real-time communication, I've come to see as critical when a mentor is chairing a student. Yeah. And, you know, there's been tons of instances where I see that there is this opportunity. So I will call a student and Hey, you know, this thing that you're working on, you know, I was going to give you some feedback, but let's chat it out really quick. And a two-minute call can save a month's worth of asynchronous communication. So yes, it it helps tremendously. I think some of the takeaways here for the listeners, both the the candidates and the faculty out there, to really think about (laughs) the frequency of this synchronous communication, because you mentioned at the beginning, it was every other week. And then when things started to speed up, it was weekly. And I'm guessing there's a lot of people out there going, oh my goodness, I don't even meet with my chair once a month. And so if you feel like you're a little stuck or you're not moving as quickly as you can, this might be something to consider, more frequent meetings. Yes, that is crucial. And I know speaking for myself, sometimes I have, well, most of the time I have just highly capable, efficient students, and I run the risk of just kind of letting them go off on their own because I trust them. But what I Mm -hmm. have learned is having those meetings just keeps everyone accountable, myself included, that I'm on the ball for what I should be doing and assisting them with as well. Yeah, it's definitely easy to kind of loosen the reins a little. But yes, that's a great way to uphold accountability for all constituents. Earlier, you mentioned that your chair was great at helping you when you felt like you had reached a brick wall. Would you share one of those examples from your experience? Oh, my proposal, right? I think I have, darn it, what's the word? Where you hide things from yourself because it was a traumatic experience. Like Uh, you suppressed? Yes, suppressed. I suppressed that memory so well. That was the one hurdle that was, was tough for me, was my proposal. And so meeting with my committee and, and proposing my study, my methodology was underwhelming. 
And one of the committee members called me on it. And I, I was a little, I, I was confident in it, but not, I think he recognized that it wasn't maybe the strongest part of my work up to that point. And so I did not pass my proposal. And I, I was really devastated. But, you know, I talked with Dr. Burnett immediately afterwards. He's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And immediately set out this roadmap for me to still be right on path with this hurdle that I had. And I took it as an opportunity after that brief moment of, like, this is frustrating. I am just so mad. I went out, I bought about four or five different books on qualitative research. And now I feel I, I might be one of the foremost people in qualitative research because of that, that brick wall. It was a rough hurdle, but the help that Dr. Burnett gave me and, and navigating it, it, it helped. You know, I have a colleague who teaches failure at Arizona State University, and you know, we can't grow as a person, as a learner, as, as anything without failing in life. And I, that would be one example. I hit a failure, but did I let it keep me down? No, I broke through it the next time. And my next proposal, which was about a month later, I knocked his socks off the person who originally had qualms with my methodology. And after that, I, I was just cruising and I, I used it to help elevate my research. Yeah, Corey, I absolutely love that story for so many reasons. It totally surprised me that that's what you were going to say, because when we were talking before the call, you're like, I had such a positive experience and I had this great cohort <laughs> and I love learning new things and my chair was awesome. And then you share, oh yeah, but I didn't pass my oral and that was terrible. And I was frustrated. And I was so mad. And I just, I love the way you reframed it to, well, you know what, guess what? Now I'm going to just be an expert in this method. I'm just going to take that feedback yeah. and I'm going to turn it around and say, all right, I heard you. That was a weak area. I'll just strengthen it. Yeah, it made me so much of a better researcher. And I would be remiss if that committee member didn't say that originally, because I feel I was able to take so much out of the experience more than if I would have just been, you know, kind of ushered along with something mediocre. Yeah. And I think it just goes to the point of this dissertation isn't just a paper you write. It truly is an opportunity to learn and to grow. Every time you get that feedback, even though it's hard because we're human and we don't like to be criticized to say, okay, this is making my document better. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's a difficult part. I know for my students, there is that tendency to feel like they are jabs at you as a person. If you could get around that mindset and really just approach it from the perspective of this is helping me build a stronger product and in turn helping me as a researcher, you can grow so much faster and stronger in that regard. Yes. What do they say? That which we resist persists. So embrace the feedback, mm -hmm. go listen to, I think it's episode three, learn some breathing techniques move through the feelings of discomfort, but embrace it with this idea that it's making things even better because you do want it to be the best it can be. You've worked so many years for this. You do want this product yes. to be great, not just good. So Corey, what are some words of wisdom you would give to either a student or a chair or committee member? 
I would love to share the favorite piece of advice that I received. I think this helps me as the learner the most out of anything. It's the easiest thing. And it, it is dedicating 15 minutes a day to your study. It, it is so simple. If you just go into each day with allocating 15 minutes to your research, you are going to feel better about your progress each day. And that compounds and it grows like a snowball. And oftentimes you're not going to do just 15 minutes. You're going to work an hour. You're going to be polishing up your reference list, or you're going to be working on your acknowledgement or your table of contents, all, all the little things that you can be working on in between submissions with your chair. And those little 15 minutes, they add up and they add up so quickly. For me, it, it was so almost cathartic. I would get my 15 minutes done and then I'd be like, all right, I worked on my dissertation today. I made progress today. And the more you do it, it just, it builds and you feel more and more confident and you take that confidence further. So I hope it can help somebody else as much as it helped me. That was definitely the thing that really got me through. I was able to say to myself, I worked today, I made progress and that helps. You know, there's something to be said about keeping this momentum because what I have seen happen is... You don't do it for a day, then you don't do it for a day, and then you don't, and then finally maybe a week passes, and then you can't remember where you are, and then you have to spend time remembering what was it, the last thing that you did. And so I know I have some students that have certain schedules, and they'll say, I'm just working on my dissertation on the weekend, and that may work just fine for them. But this idea of having your finger on it every day to keep yourself motivated, I think is a great strategy that would work for many. So one of the questions I have for you is, say it was a day where you're just really, really tired or really, really busy. What are some of the things mm -hmm. you would do for just 15 minutes? I would check the, the page numbers. Is everything lining up? Does my table of contents have the right link to down below in the document? And good, that's something solved. I'm good for the day. Or let me write a, a sentence or two about my daughter and my acknowledgments. Or, oh, adding that one thing about that one study in my chapter one, I really should just put that in there. And so it's as simple as that. Just doing that one little thing, it gives you that confidence. It's just tremendous. And some other things that come to mind for me as you're talking is you could read an article or maybe oh, yes. hop in the library and look at five abstracts. But one that I have been promoting is, hey, guys, if there's a day where you just can't bear it, do a 15-minute meditation or do a walk and count that as working on your dissertation because when you're caring for yourself, you're working on your oh, dissertation. Yeah. Indeed. That, that is something, yeah, I probably don't mention that nearly as much, but yes, I, I actually do talk to my students about as much as we are investing into our heads as educators, I feel we don't, we don't invest nearly as much into our health, unfortunately. And so there has to be a good equilibrium between the two or else one is not going to be, it, the, the body is not going to be whole. It, it, yes, that is such a good, good piece of advice. Because you want to be around once you have your doctorate. You want to have time to enjoy it. Okay, so Corey, my last question for you. Did you have a favorite quote or something like that that inspired you throughout your process or something that you suggest for your students in terms of staying inspired? It's kind of corny, but it worked for me. I am 
a really big fan of the progressive music of Tool. And the lyrics on, on one song is about striving for betterment as not just a person, but as humans in evolution. And so I included that quote in my acknowledgments on my dissertation. And the quote is reaching out to embrace the random, reaching out to embrace whatever may come. And that's always kind of been a, a motto of mine to just keep pushing to see what I find, whether it's something I learn or something I experience. That, that's really been my modus operandi. And I've I really kind of lived it as much as I can. I love that quote. I love how you've just brought us to such a nice conclusion of remain curious. Corey, thank you so much for sharing your experience, both as a student and as a mentor. I know the audience got so much out of this podcast, and I'm looking forward to having you back soon. It's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. I trust today's episode gave you some ideas about how to better navigate your doc program. But hey, don't stop with just listening to this podcast. My website is the place to go for all kinds of support. You'll find free online resources, downloads, and access to a seven-day inspirational email journey. You can also pick up some Happy Doc Student swag, and if you're still looking for your community of support, you can join my Happy Doc Student tribe that meets monthly over Zoom. Check it all out at expandyourhappy.com. Until next time, here's to more joy in your journey. Hey, one more thing. Just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.